Hello everybody, it's Brian Janikowski, Friday, January the 4th uh, in the morning, just after the new jobs report, but before the uh, market close. I'm Christian Thwaites. I'm Emily Takenberts, and let's get started with this week's market chat. Well, welcome everybody. Happy New Year to you all. This is our first podcast of 2019. Christian, the first <laughs> week has been a wild ride. We've seen continuing market volatility um, and so, you know, it seems as though investors are, are a little skittish at the moment. But what does the data say, really? Yeah, that, that's a good point. Let's just start with uh, the, the economy, kind of start with what's sort of, um, you know, affecting the, the largest, biggest picture. And what we've seen is that some parts of the economy are um, rolling over, not into, you know, absolute weakness but in sort of relative uh, weakness relative to their peaks. And so those, those uh, markets are you know, housing, house prices, housing starts, uh, housing inventory, um, all of which I think are just a function of uh, higher, higher mortgage rates. Um, we had a pretty weak ISM manufacturing number Yesterday, and that basically is a survey of uh, manufacturing companies, and uh, uh, it there the, are the two surveys. One is manufacturing, is no, and the other one is non-manufacturing. Remember, manufacturing is about twelve percent of the of the economy. Non-manufacturing is the other eighty-eight. So the non-manufacturing is much bigger, but the manufacturing one gets a lot of headlines. And the numbers were down in terms of orders and inventories, and we kind of knew that was happening as well because that's very tied to the trade talks. And I think uh, you know new orders going down, inventories going up, um, uh, you know, maybe some suppliers uh, you know in in less good shape. All of which have sort of hurt hurt some sentiment on that side. And then also we saw the China PMI number fall below fifty for the first time, and that was on Monday. So those are kind of the things which are affecting the market. Um, I think, but on the positive side, we had a very good jobs number today. It wasn't perhaps as good as the headline, but it was a very strong headline, 320,000. You know, we were used to sort of 150,000 or so. And, uh, the, you know, there's no doubt, no, no doubt that the job market's in pretty robust health. Um, and inflation continues to be relatively low, and average hourly earnings are, you know, slightly increasing. Nothing, nothing too alarming. So, you know, in answer to your question, I think we're sort of sitting in this balance where some things are not as good as they were. Other things are actually pretty strong in the economy. Uh, but the big overhang is what's going to happen on the trade, um, and I think that's the single biggest. Um, uh, concern that the market has right now, and of course uh, that that was exactly what Apple really pointed to when it when it came out with its um, with its earnings uh, forecast on Wednesday. So uh, yeah, I think the market is obviously very skittish, but w w you know the underlying economy is in is in relatively good health, and and I can't see anything which will you know upset it to the point where it's going to decline from a 2.5-3% average growth rate to something a lot less than that. We had we did see that good jobs numbers today jobs number today. The employment unemployment rate is is very low right now. It's sitting at about 3.6%, which really is the lowest since kind of the peak of the Vietnam War in, in the yeah. late 60s. Um, but we haven't seen wages inch up. Um, tell us tell us tell us your thoughts about that. 
this has been going on for many, many years. And I think that uh, it's the it's the average hourly earnings number which people focus on. And uh, there's actually a better number, which is the employment cost index. But that only comes out quarterly as opposed to the average hourly earnings, which come out weekly. Um, yeah, they, they are fairly muted. In, in real terms, they're about 1%. In nominal terms, today's number was just over 3%. But I, don't, I think that's a bit of a fluke. You know, the average is more about 2%. And, and that's about as good as it's going to get right now, I think. Um, the, uh, on the one argument is that there's, you know, employers are uh, have a shortage of labor and labor can be more fluid and people can leave jobs and quit jobs and go look for higher higher jobs and find you know higher earnings but I think for the economy as a whole sure there are pockets of which we live in one where there is an acute labor shortage but uh, you know for, for the country as a whole um, there there it's not that there's a surplus of labor but I just you know there, there isn't a real squeeze on it and I don't think for a second that uh, employees of any color, are, um, are uh, and by that I mean, you know, colors and all types of employees, manufacturing, non-manufacturing, high school, non-high school, advanced, uh, technical, you know, uh, all the way down to um, sort of part-time leisure, leisure work type thing, are in a position to negotiate a lot of wage gains. And then the employers can just hold off on that. And as we've discussed before, I think employers tend to try and give it, try to give uh, increases in the form of bonuses, which don't show up or sign-on bonuses, or better benefits, or better vacation. I mean, these are the kind of things which don't show up straight away in the in the earnings side. So uh, I, I really just can't see that earnings will, will be a big factor in, in, uh, in, in increasing and then get the, and get the Fed particularly worried about it. Mm -hmm. So do you think that this kind of this, this disconnect between the unemployment rate and wages or wage growth, I should say, is kind of a symptom of a labor market that has fundamentally changed from a historical labor market? To some extent, yeah. I mean, I it, this has been going on for 20 years. Uh, um, and so I think uh, some of that is demographics. You know, we've kind of got uh, a, a an older group. We know the baby boomers are retiring at whatever the number is, 10,000 a day or something. And... Uh, and by the way, what happens there if, you know, all things being equal, a, a, a baby boomer retiring at 60 being replaced by a 20-something, uh, then the 20-something is not going to earn as much as that 60, 60-year-old 60 retiree. So it'll show up as lower earnings for the aggregate. So there's that kind of thing going on. Mm -hmm. uh, the, um and I and I and labor participation we know is is way down from its peak and it's like unlikely to sort of creep back up very much. Um, so I, I I think this is just a you know a long uh, a, a long a continuation of a phase where em, employees are not particularly empowered <laughs> and mm -hmm. and and there's in in, in fact in if in economic history it's really only the time between about 1945 and about 1980 where they were empowered and unions were strong and business owners talked openly, you know, uh, about sharing um, uh, more of the wealth with employees and stakeholders. But that's really gone away for a long, long time. So I think, uh, I think, um, you know, em employees, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll trade sort of job security and, and not push for a lot of higher wages. I just don't think we're in a big, big, 
a strong position to be able to negotiate higher wages. What do you see? Um, Jay Powell came out today um, with some comments trying to calm the markets. How do you see the Fed um, moving this year, or, or yeah. what do you see their actions? Yeah, I, I think the Fed has actually done really, really well in this. I mean, people talk about, you know, perhaps it was a policy error in December to hike. But uh, look, they, they look at their two major data points, which is unemployment and PCE inflation. PCE inflation is below two. Unemployment, as you mentioned, sort of record lows. And it's not that they see a lot of overheating in the economy, but they're trying to keep ahead of it. So they talked about the four rate increases in 2018 after the three in 2017, the one in 16, the one in 2015. And uh, I think they were sort of fully sort of entitled and correct to push that one through, um, despite criticisms from uh, the street and indeed the president. But uh, I, I think for this year, uh, they're going to hold off. And I, and I think um, we... We, we would normally see, it's interesting because the Fed now has moved from having um, press, press conferences four times a year, which is when they would move rates if they were going to move rates, now having press conferences every meeting, so the all 10. So in theory, they could sort of now make a, um, a rate increase you know, every, every month, every meeting, whereas before you knew it was going to be on one of those quarter quarter end uh, uh, press press release days so a uh, press conference days so that's interesting so I think now uh, look nothing's going to happen in the January meeting for sure and I think um, most of the market is thinking and I, I would go with this that the that March and June are pretty much March certainly is off the table in June even as well so we might see another you know another 25 later on this year depending on labor and inflation and economy but uh, I think they're going to they're going to back off. The other thing I always got to remind myself is that, you know, monetary policy works with a very long lag. So what the Fed did a year ago is showing up now. Um, so, you know, we've got, if we, we kind of mirror what happened in 2018, we had four rate increases. And I think, you know, we'll start to see the effects of those in, uh, in things like, you know, mortgage rates and auto loans and you know, all the sort of uh, interest-sensitive type of uh, parts of the economy. So Apple came out, uh, Tim Cook uh, had some comments, and they cut their quarterly revenue forecast this this week. The market promptly um, had kind of a downturn the next day. Is this, do you see this kind of as just the beginning um, as we approach kind of this new earnings season of the negative corporate guidance that we may see? Um, coming out of this earnings season? Uh, that's a good question. I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, look, Apple has two distinct points, which, uh, which, which I don't, I can't think of any other company off the top of my head. Maybe some, um, some uh, luxury goods companies. But two things. One is they get a large portion of their sales from China. It's about 20%. Now, not many companies get 20% of their top line revenue from China. So they're, they're kind of China exposed. And of course, the other point is they've got a high price point product. Uh, you know, we're really talking about the iPhones here, which you know, you're not going to see much change from $1,000. In an, in an economy like China, where, you know, the average annual wage is seven dollars $8,000, GDP per head rather, um, that's a pretty big uh, expense item. So I, I think they've got the two problems. One, the direct China exposure. They require consumers to go out and buy their product willingly. And secondly, I think pushing their luck on the price point. And that's 
I think that was the more important part of the mm. prophet's warning that really it's going to be, uh, you know, the China problem, let's say, eventually goes goes away or gets, you know, or they find other markets. But the, the real issue is, you know, are people going to pay for this product, um, you know, at the, at the, at the levels which, which Apple has priced it? You know, not only through this cycle, but through subsequent product uh, refreshes. And I think that's the... So I, I think, um, you know, I don't think we'll see a lot of uh, earnings revisions necessarily because I think those those two issues are, are quite specific to Apple. I might be wrong, but I, I, I just can't see a lot of CEOs getting on the phone, uh, getting ahead of it now and saying we think earnings are going to be way down. Uh, and remember, that they're, they're, they're estimating what... What was uh, when Tim Cook, Lee Brown, he already knows what the, the, the what the fourth quarter was. It closed on twenty eighth of December, so he's really saying between twenty eighth December and when they go live on their earnings at the end of January, it's not going to be as high as they've early indicated. But I I don't think we're going to see a lot of CEOs coming on the uh, over, over the over the wires over the next three weeks and issuing similar sort of uh, downward revisions. So you think that Apple is kind of uniquely exposed to this slowdown in China. Do you see that being a problem for other multinational com companies? Not as much because I don't think I don't think as, as many are directly dependent on the Chinese consumer. They are for their suppliers for sure and they are for some you know big markets. I mean, you know there are, you know Boeing is you know these kind of companies have big uh, big contracts with China, but they're not, they're not sort of in the stores and dependent on Chinese consumers as much. I mean, there are other companies like, you know, Louis Vuitton and maybe um, uh, Tiffany's and, uh, you know, some of the French, um, mostly uh, luxury goods companies. Um, but I, 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 I just not sure if Apple's a very good bellwether here for, uh, you know, for, 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 for those two particular problems, Chinese consumers and a very high price point product. I wanted to talk about the bond market a little bit. Um, Five-year treasuries <clears throat> yields are now below the Fed fund's target rate of about 2.25-2.5%. What is the bond market trying to tell us? Are they telling us that they think the Fed will actually begin cutting rates in 2019? Um, and are they right? No, I don't think they're right about the Fed cutting rates. I don't, I don't think I think the Fed can stay on pause, but. Uh... I, I don't think they're about to take the Fed funds rate down. No, I think this is more that um, the uh, you know the, the the Treasury market is a safe haven. We, that's why we saw this very big rally in the ten-year Treasury over the last few months. Ten-year Treasury is up about thirteen percent. Uh, sorry, a long-term Treasury, a ten-year Treasury more like uh, seven or eight percent. That's a big gain in a market that was down. Stock market was down seven percent. I think it's so. So some of it's that it's the kind of flight to quality, flight to safety. But also part of it is the feeling that short-term rates are high, but eventually, you know, this economy is going to roll, mm -hmm. get weaker, and so the Fed is going to ease up. So, you know, a 10-year Treasury is between about 280 and 3%. It's going to be the norm mm -hmm. for the next couple of years. So I, I think it's more about where they see themselves in the economic cycle mm -hmm. rather than an imminent thought that the uh, that the feds the fed will cut rates and i think anyone making that bet is going to be that that's a long bet i wouldn't take the other side of <laughs> great well thank you very much christian thanks to you for listening
Um, and please join us next week. Okay, thanks, Emily. And here's a disclosure. Please note the discussion of our investment investment strategy, including our research investment process, represents our investments investment strategy at this commentary, subject to change without notice. We cannot assure that the type of investment discussed in this commentary will outperform any other investment strategy in the future, nor can we guarantee that such investments will present the best or attractive risk-adjusted investment in the future. So for general information purposes only, references to an individual security should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell that security. The securities mentioned in this commentary are only for several of the successful as un unsuccessful investment buyers do not represent all the securities you have purchased or the recommended. Although we deem reliable the sources of the statistical and other information referred to in this commentary, we cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any statements or numerical data. Past performance is no indication of future results.